paragraph 61 in the book of Mark. So from uh, 13 on to 19, he's uh, describing, giving us the names of all of the uh, apostles. And this, it says, uh, and the multitude came together again. So these guys are in the house, around the house. There were so many people there that they couldn't even eat bread. I didn't know if there were, I don't know if there wasn't enough bread or there wasn't enough room to like lift your hand up and put it in your mouth. It was so crowded, too many people. So all these people are there and he says, when his friends heard it, they went out to lay hold on Yeshua. For they say, he is beside himself. So what is happening is something is going on in the air. Something significant is going to happen, and they can feel it in the air. You remember when Yeshua went uh, to the temple and he was making the rope? Something was going to happen. And what happened? He changed, up, he changed the livestock out. He flipped over these tables, and they felt that something was going to happen. They thought he was going berserk. They thought he was going insane. They, they misunderstood um, the details that they were, uh, he was giving them. So they went, it says, to lay hold on him. They thought, we got to hold on to him for his own good. Because he might just lose it in kapah, everybody's gone. And it goes on to say, And the scribes that came down from Jerusalem. You remember the start? From now on, this will be the culmination of the religious leader's final verdict after their two-step investigation for whether or not Yeshua was the promised Messiah or not. I'd just like to go back. The first stage was the stage of observation. So when they heard what Yeshua did, a delegation was sent out to where Yeshua was and to see if this movement Messianic movement was significant. And if it was significant, they would go back and say it was significant, send another um, send another crew. If not, then they would just stop. Insignificant. But the first stage of observation was so significant because he not only healed the man, but he forgave the dude's sin that they sent the group back to Jerusalem. And now they sent a bigger constituency of uh, uh, scribes and Pharisees back to Yeshua. And they have been following him ever since. So they're not there just so happy. They're there investigating. So the first stage was just observation. They were, just, they were able to not say anything. You just observe. And then, you know, in those passages, it talked about what they were thinking. And again, Yeshua answered their thoughts. Just by reading their minds, he would answer their thoughts. So it went to the second stage. They brought a larger delegation to follow Yeshua. But now, now they can interrogate the second stage of interrogation. So now you could go up to him and ask as many questions as you want. But we see a lot of it wasn't questions. It was more accusations. So this is the combination of the religious leaders' final verdict after their uh, house, uh, all of those uh, court appearings, and they've seen all the, ver all the witnesses.
And this is the culmination. And to me, this is a fulcrum of Yeshua's uh, ministry. So it was like this before, but now it's going to be totally different. It's going to change radically his um, ministry. So in Matthew 12, 22, it says, Then was brought unto him one possessed with a demon, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the dumb man spoke and saw. Yeah, it seems rather dull. The rabbis had their own way of exercising demons. So we know that the Mishnah was created a false religion, Judaism. But within that, there was always a remnant of true believers who can actually tap into the true power of Adonai. So the rabbinic way of exorcism was first you would establish communication with the demon. And then once you can talk to the demon, you would have to find out the demon's name. And upon finding out the demon's name, you cast out the demon using the demon's own name. So in Pharisaic Judaism, the casting out of this particular type of demon was considered impossible. Impossible. Because why? Because they couldn't um, go through each of the three criteria that was needed to cast out a demon. So in Pharisaic Judaism, they taught that when the Messiah would come on the scene, only he could heal and cast out this type of demon. So rabbis thought again that only the Messiah can cast out a dumb demon. Verse 23 says, And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? What does that mean? What happened? Remember, he, he healed people before. He casted out demons before, but what did they ask? They asked if, they asked, where did he get his authority from? So all the healings that he had did up to this point, he only did one messianic miracle. But when he does this one, they don't ask where his power came from. They ask, can this be the son of David? Because the son of David was the prophecy line and that's the line that the Messiah was going to come through. And that's the one where they asked the Messiah would come through. So instead of saying, where is his, uh, where does his authority come from? They say, can this be the promised son of David? Serious. You always talk to me. So is this one the messianic son of David? As you all been teaching us through all of these years, is this the one? Is he finally here? So what happens? Harvard calls it the leadership complex. So whichever way the leaders go, the people are sure to follow. So it's like Mary and her lamb. Wherever Mary went, <laughs> the lamb was sure to go. But that's why when we can think freely, and we can make up our own minds. They went against their better judgment, against what the, the leadership had already taught them. They went against it. 
And now they, they're following the leader's hypocritical view on it. It's not. So in the New Testament, because of the, the Mishnah and all these added laws and added um, things you have to do, they put a stranglehold on the people. And that's why the people, even though they reason in their mind that this is the Messiah, whatever the leadership says, they would believe. And then verse 24 says, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this man does not cast out demons, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the demons. So it's not just your everyday run-in-the-mill demon. This is a demon with um, rank. Beelzebub, the prince of demons. So Beelzebul is the god of the Ephraimites, and that means the lord of the royal palace. Beelzebub, Beelzebub, but in Hebrew is Beelzebub, is the lord of the flies, or the lord of the dumb, even the lord of the things that fly. So even like UFOs, that these UFOs are the things that fly. It could be demonic impressions or whatever that they're doing on them. <clears throat> so again, in Hebrew is Baal's Duf, and that is the Lord of the flies, the Lord of the dumb, or the Lord of the things that fly. So again, John didn't, John fasted and didn't drink wine. Yeshua didn't fast and drank wine, but the given reason for his rejection by the Pharisees after all of the investigation, the observation and the interrogation, all they could come up was that he was demon-possessed. Like all they could come up with our previous president was, he was racist, he was xenophobic. They just attacked the person. They didn't attack his policy, or what he thought, what he talked, or what he did. This was their go-to line, demon possession. So the real reason for his rejection was because he did not support Phariseeism, right? Remember the Beatitudes? That was a whole uh, rejection of Phariseeism and the Mishnah. So that was rejected by Yeshua. So they felt, the rabbis felt, that when the Messiah came, they would, <clears throat> Messiah would help them make up more laws and more things to put on the people to make it harder for the people. A defense. Verse 25, and knowing their thoughts, he said unto them, so Yeshua continues to read the minds of men even today. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? So we just say, if Satan was casting out Satan, and he's self-destructing his own plan, his own kingdom, his own work, I mean, Satan, it would be a division. And it says that if I, by Beelzebub, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. So they themselves did exorcism, and they knew only God 
could take out the demons, right? Nowhere in all of history did demons cast out demons. So they still say, that's ludicrous. How could that happen? Therefore, they shall be your judges. And they're, you know, one thing uh, demons are, they're honest about who Yeshua is. I think that's the only thing they're honest about. It says, but if by the Spirit of God cast out demons, then is the kingdom of God come upon you. So he got them. If I'm demon possessed, how can I cast out demons when all of history demons never cast out demons? Only by the Spirit of God. But if I did cast them out by the Spirit of God, then what does that mean? I am the Messiah and the kingdom of God is in hand. But they still held to their guns, right? This miracle actually authenticates his messianic claim, the taking out of this demon. It proves beyond the shadow of a doubt, he claimed to be Jesus himself, he claimed to be the Messiah, beyond the shadow of a doubt, because of this, he has to be the Messiah. Or how can one enter into the house of a strong man and spoil his goods? So how can I go into the demonic home with Satan as a strong man? Except he first find the strong man and then he will spoil the house. That's what the Lord did, right? He made Satan almost mute. His works mute. Invalid. If we trust in Jesus. But if we don't Give Jesus all that's due him. Satan still has power and a foothold over us. This means that Yeshua is stronger than Satan. Yeshua has more power over Satan. And then he can bind this strong man. And then he will spoil this house. So again, Yeshua is stronger than Satan. So the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna look at that. We're gonna stop here at the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So next week, we're gonna go through the whole thing and we're gonna see if people can commit it today or you cannot commit it today. Was it just particular to that generation then? Or we're gonna go into the deep dive into the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So with that, um, we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna go outside and receive uh, communion. Huh?
You know, if we just hold on, Satan has been rendered what? Invalid. That we the ones who open up ourselves and not put our total trust in you. So as we go forward, Lord, may we continue to recognize the greatness of your power within us. That within us, Lord, within our vocal cords is the power of lake of fire or heaven. Let us use it, Lord, this powerful weapon as we study ourselves we just thank you for this lovely day. We pray for our brothers who are, and sisters who are sick and who are um, ailing. But also lift up uh, a couple of the families who a husband who lost their fight against COVID. Lord, we know you are a healer, so we ask for comfort those people. We continue to pray for Brother Kevin. Continue to help him, Lord. We just thank you for all your goodness towards us. So we love you, Lord, and we need you in our lives daily. In Yeshua's name we pray, and we all say, Amen. So if you go outside and take communion,